Theophrastus was a Greek philosopher who lived from 371 to about 287 BC. He was Aristotle's successor, and he was very concerned with moral character, uh, what what the definitions of, of morals were and how the morals a person showed defined who that person was. And to this end, he collected a, a series of writings that were referred to as a whole as uh, the characters of uh, Theophrastus or on moral character or just characters, depending on the translation, uh, which is just sort of a, a list of the different types of moral people there are and how you define them, like what they're what they're called, what he called them, and how you define them. And uh, number 33 on his list was the boastful man or the braggart, uh, braggart. Uh, and, and about the boastful man, he wrote, boastfulness would seem to be, in fact, pretension to advantages which one does not possess. The boastful man is one who will stand in the bazaar talking to foreigners of the great sums which he has at sea. He will discourse of the vastness of his money-lending business and the extent of his personal gains and losses. And while thus drawing the long bow, it will, will send the boy, will send of his boy to the bank where he keeps one drachma. He loves also to impose upon his companion by the road. I'm going to start over with this. And about the boastful man or the braggart, he says, boastfulness would seem to be, in fact, pretension to advantages which one does not possess. The boastful man is one who will stand in the bazaar talking to foreigners of the great sums which he has at sea. He will discourse of the vastness of his money-lending business and the extent of his personal gains and losses, and while thus drawing the long bow, will send of his boy to the bank where he keeps one drachma. He loves also to impose upon his companion by the road with a story of how he served with Alexander and on what terms he was with him and what a number of gemmed cups he brought home, contending too that the Asiatic artists are superior to those of Europe and all this when he has never been out of Attica. So as you can see, once upon a time, the, the concept of bragging, boasting, carried with it a, uh, a sense of hypocrisy, a level of lying. You are not only making a big deal about what a cool person you were, you were exaggerating. You were being hyperbolic with who you were to the extent where, well, I mean, according to uh, Theophrastus, you were just lying about everything. Uh, and the concept of the braggart, of bragging, of boasting, uh, is about as old as language itself, probably as old as human interaction, because we love to be on top. We love to think that we have just a slight advantage over other people. And sometimes if we don't have that advantage, we'll just make it up. We'll just pretend we have that advantage. Uh, I mean, bragging, the, the, the idea of bragging is, is as old as the history. And terms for bragging, bragging and boasting goes back to uh, Old English. Uh, I don't know how to say this word, but it's beot. Beot, um, which uh, is, a, is a ritualized boast or a, a vow or a threat or a promise. Um, Beowulf makes beots in Beowulf. Uh, now, in Old Ox Occitan, Old Occitan, not New Occitan, current Occitan, but in Old Occitan, which is a language of troubadours uh, in like what is now like southern France, uh, gabbing was a form of singing, a form of song. It's a boasting song. So uh, so that's, you know, like, the, so there, not only was, was boasting and bragging 
bragging a part of the culture. It was part of the arts. Like there's a there's a there's a skill to being a good bragger. There's a skill to being a uh, a good boaster. And part of that skill is not going too far over the top. It's knowing how to regulate and cut yourself off before things get out of hand. And unfortunately, for the characters in this week's book, well, pride goeth <clears throat> before a fall. Proverbs 16.18. It's the Berenstain Bears and the biggest brag. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. James 3-5. That's right, we are back into the land of the Living Lights Faith Stories. We are back to Zonder Kids, and we are back to 2014 with the Berenstain Bears and the Biggest Brag. This is a book about bragging, this is a book about boasting, and this is a book about Grizzly Gramps sticking his nose in where it doesn't belong. That's right, we are back with the worst bear in bear town, the worst bear in bear country probably, Grizzly Gramps. And unfortunately, he is not accompanied by Grizzly Gran to rein in his insanity. We have raw, unadulterated, I will yell at my own grandchildren, I will humiliate them in the out of doors, Grizzly Gramps. With the Berenstain Bears and the biggest brag. It's just the the great big one. Grizzly Gramps is such a mm in this book that on the cover of the book, it says the Berenstain Bears and the biggest brag, but the title is like, like shunted over to the side. And underneath the title, you have sister and brother facing off against each other. And she's saying, I'm the best. And he's saying, no, I'm the best. But you have Grizzly Gramps leaning against an imaginary, he's leaning against the inside of the edge of the cover of the book. Like this imaginary non-existent barrier does not exist within the confines of the image. It only exists in your hand. So he is grovering his way through this cover and he is crushing Crossed arms, leaning against the wall, eyes at half-mast, the straw hat perched atop his head, and he is saying to the reader, Pride goeth, ellipses, before the fall. Proverbs 16, uh, uh, 18. Grizzly Gramps. So already we, we are in Grizzly Gramps. We are in Grizzly Gramps country. And of course he is using pride goeth before the fall as a, uh, as a way to as a way to shame, to shame the kids. Uh, but that's Proverbs 16, 18. Is that really what it says, though? Some some translations say, a pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before the fall. So, you know, but we know pride goeth before the fall. In fact, most of the translations I'm looking at say, pride goes before destruction, pride comes before disaster, pride comes before destruction, pride goeth before destruction. I see, I see one that the whole thing, it's pride goes before destruction, and arrogance before failure, or a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, I have, there's one translation, here. Which translation is this? Uh, the contemporary English version just says, too much pride will destroy you. And I love the translations of the Bible that are just like, we are not doing any kind of poetry. Forget it. Pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before disaster. And I always see a haughty spirit before the fall. So was this proverb, was this like truncated into pride goeth before the fall? Because I'm not seeing any translations that are like, yeah, pride goeth before the fall. I'm just seeing pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before all. I don't know. 
I don't. I think it's a truncated version. Maybe that's why Grizzly Gramps was actually speaking in ellipses. Pride goeth before a fall. Thanks, Grizzly Gramps, who probably never even read the Bible. But that's not even the opening quote. The opening quote is, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts, which is James 3, 5. And that's actually a really cool, a really cool, like, complete chapter. Uh, it's it's about taming the tongue, watching your tongue. And it's, uh, it's uh, Jesus. And he's saying, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So I think I've read that in this episode, uh, not on this show before. I think I have done an episode that used that quote or part of that quote somewhere. But that's the opening quote. And I think, well... Yeah, no, neither of these are really relevant because there's no fall in this book and uh, there's there's no uh, there's no corruption of the Cubs' bodies in this book. Their tongues don't corrupt them. They just make them a little obnoxious. So what it is is the book talks a lot about how brother and sister are really good at a lot of things, school and sports and art and music. You see brother playing the guitar, which I don't think we've ever seen brother doing before, which is that's kind of cool. Uh, they're good at their talents. They, they work hard. They're really talented Cubs. Uh, they take a lot of pride in what they do, which is fine. You should take pride in what you do. However, this leads to an epidemic of bragging. So like brother gets an A in math, but sister gets an A plus and she's like, nya, nya, nya. I got an A plus. Or a sister scores a goal in soccer and brother's like, yeah, well, I got the winning goal and set up another goal with a corner kick. So ha-cha-cha-cha. And mama's like, you know what? You need to stop bragging and boasting at each other because you're both good at a lot of things. And then Papa busts in. He's like, you know what the Bible says? He says, it's not a loving thing for a brother and sister to do this. The Bible says it does not end about love. It doesn't envy. It does not boast. It is not proud, which is true. It does say that love does not envy. It does not boast. It, it is not proud. Uh, you know, you know, I, I guess I guess that makes sense. Um, that's from uh, the first Corinthians 13, four through eight. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. I, I guess we can stop at the love never fails part because the rest is just it's just great. Uh, love never fails. That's what Papa, I mean, that's really what it's saying. Like love is love is supposed to be like the purest good. Don't go bragging at your brothers and sisters, I guess is what Papa's getting at. Uh, but, but brother and sister keep bragging at each other. Like it doesn't matter. So one day they're out laying on a field, on a hill in the field, and they're looking up at the clouds and they're looking at animals and shapes in the clouds. And so sister's like, hey, it looks like a sheep. And brother's like, yeah, well, that cloud looks like a, uh, a galloping horse. And sister's like to herself, she's like, well, that's better than my sheep. So then she's like, well, uh, I think that cloud looks like a fire breathing dragon. And brother's like, oh, she's right. Yeah, well, uh, I see a cloud that looks like a knight on a horse in front of a castle uh, beating a fire breathing dragon. And there's a damsel in distress uh, that he's trying to save. So, uh, so there. Well, then sister's like, yeah, 
Well, uh, I think that those clouds look like a pirate ship shooting their cannons at a tropical island with a big fort. And there's a little town with houses and church towers and swaying palm trees filled with monkeys. And of course, throughout all this, you're seeing these clouds in their, in their imaginations. And then brother, brother has had it. He will not be upstaged by this child with her cloud story. So he looks around. He's like, hmm, hmm, what do I see? And then he sees a bunch of clouds up in the sky and he squints his eyes and he holds out his hands and he says, you know what I see? The whole solar system. So basically what's happening is they're engaging in like a wizard's duel. This is a wizard's duel. This is uh, this is uh, Merlin and Madame Mim fighting each other. This is uh, Dream and the demon in hell uh, trying to trick each other into giving each other and giving themselves away. Like this is them one upping each other with their imaginations. And brother says, well, I see the whole solar system. I see uh, 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 so the sun. I see Mercury, Venus and Earth and the moon and Mars. I see asteroids and Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, Neptune, Uranus, uh, I see the Kuiper Belt, and there's Pluto, and Sister's like, stop it! Stop with your bragging and broasting! You're broasting and bagging! I don't even know what a Kuiper Belt is! And then all of a sudden, you hear a voice, and it's the voice of doom. It's Grizzly Gramps. Oh, what's going on over here? And he comes running over, and the cubs are like, this is embarrassing. And Sister's like, he doesn't see the Kuiper Belt up there, he's just bragging and boasting. And Grizzly Gramps looks at the sky, he's like, well, I see two faces in the clouds, and they're like, like, really? And he says, yeah, the two faces of the biggest braggingest fools I ever saw. He may not actually yell in the book, but he's pretty, he has his hands on his hips and a look on his face and he calls his grandkids fools. I'm just saying that Grizzly Gramps is kind of the worst. Between Grizzly Gramps and Farmer Ben, there have been more people asked to leave post offices than anyone else in, in the history of bear country. It's all I'm saying. And they're like, who are the biggest fools? And he's like, you two, none other than brother and sister bear. Brother and sister are like, but Gramps. And he's like, don't you butt Gramps. Oh, I was just joking. I was just joking. I was going to say, don't you butt Gramps me. And he actually says that. Don't butt Gramps me. Admit it. Don't you two feel foolish? Oh, and he looks angry. In the He actually looks angry at them. He's wagging his finger at them, and he's got angry eyes. All this bagging and boasting about something as silly as who can see what in a cloud? Is that really something to be proud of? And the cubs are like, <laughs> and he says, remember what the Bible says. Where there's strife, there is pride. And it does say that. Uh, it says where there is strife, there is pride. Um, it also says that too much pride will destroy. And uh, and that pride goeth before the fall. It's just a lot of things about pride. Uh, the Bible is is pretty set on, on you not being too proud. But what's interesting is that he says, where there's strife, there's pride. And the cubs are like, we'll remember, Gramps. And then, but they're down, way down in the corner of the page. Filling the page, their thought bubble is of two. It's a beautiful picture. It's two kings on their horses facing off against each other with their armies facing each other. And listeners at home, please tell me what Bible story this is supposed to represent. It's just two kings, like with crowns on their heads, not like European crowns either, like very nicely drawn, like I assume some sort of like period garb uh, with tunics and the, the soldiers have different kinds of shields and they have spears, different kinds of spears. Uh, both of the bears have beards, which is odd. Like he managed to draw beards on them. It's great. It's a beautiful picture of, of some sort of biblical battle. And I don't know what it is. But what's funny is that Graham says, where there's strife, there's pride. And the cubs immediately, individually, like, both think of the exact same Bible story, apparently. <laughs> I, I have no idea. They must have just been reading it. 
And then Gramps is like, must be feeling bad about making the Cubs feel bad about who they are. Because he says, now you two come on over to my house. Gran will give you milk and cookies. We'll have a nice game of checkers. And the Cubs are like, all right. And then brother's like, I bet I'll win. And sister says, I'm going to win. Now, and what would be natural in a Baron St. Bears book, you would think, is that the Cubs would be like, oh, we're doing it again. Sorry, Gramps. They don't even catch themselves. They just start bragging and boasting or challenging each other. It's not really a brag and a boast. Gramps cuts them off. He's like, Cubs! And they're all sorry. And they walk down looking at the clouds with sheepish grins on their face. And the in the in the, pic, the last picture of Gramps, he doesn't look happy to be with his grandkids. He's making a weird face and clenching his fists, which I guess is like Grizzly Gramps in a nutshell. Who's the bear in the straw hat clenching his fists and grimacing at the bears around him? Oh, that's Gramps. You just described Gramps to a T. So before we get to the end of the book, the very, very end of the book, I want to talk about this book uh, as a physical product, as a specimen. It's a beautiful book. <laughs> right out of the this is a really good looking book. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, I really enjoy the way the Living Lights Faith Stories books look. And this one's no exception. The colors pop. The line work is beautiful. Uh, there's just some great layouts, some great uh, biblical imagery. And uh, it's Grizzly Gramps being super angry, which I know I'm complaining. It sounds like I'm complaining. People, I love Grizzly Gramps. He's the worst bear in bear country. He's he's always angry. And he, he literally tried to start a war in the chapter books. Like because of Grizzly Gramps, Grizzly Gramps tried to leave his wife in the books. This is canon. Remember, Grizzly Gramps left Grizzly Gran because she refused to give up her dream of returning to the vaudeville stage. Just never forget that. Grizzly Gramps is the worst. He writes angry letters to the editor all the time. I am sure he's the guy in the Starbucks who's grumbling about the fact that the barista has a nose ring or visible tattoos. I am sure he's that guy. He's the guy at the Starbucks who goes in every day and orders the same thing. And then one day he says to the barista, you know, I come in here every day and you still don't know what my order is. He's that guy. That's Grizzly Gray. However, it's a gorgeous book. I'd really like this book. I mean, I'm biased because I like the, I just, I'm, I'm inclined now to like the way that the Zonderkiz books look, the Living Lights books. It's, it's gorgeous. And whenever Mike, whenever there's biblical drawings and there's horses and stuff, they just look good. They just, they, they spring off the page. So, uh, the Baron Simmer is the biggest brag. I don't know if it, I guess if you want to explore the concept of pride, but pride in, in the Bible is referring to something besides like, I did really well at something I, I am going to brag about. Like pride. Pride, like too much pride is where you you think you're better than everybody else simply for who you are. I don't know how else to put it. It's different than bragging or boasting. Like, and also the title of the book is The Biggest Brag. The Biggest Brag's not in here. I guess brother and sister were like kind of building to the biggest brag. But again, seeing things in the clouds isn't bragging. Seeing things in the clouds is like, I have a better imagination than you. But you're not even saying it. You're not bragging about it. You're demonstrating it. It'd be like the craziest competition, more like. Like who can come up with a, like if it was, the, if it was like brother and sister were always com like overly competitive competitive with each other. That would make more sense. That's not really bragging. I don't know. Uh, it should have been more like the scene from Jaws where like they're comparing scars. It should have been like that. Uh, who has the biggest scar? Which cub was attacked by the biggest sea animal? Uh, I think we'd have to go back to the bear's vacation for that one. I think it's one where Papa encounters like the old gods in the sea. Go back and listen to my first uh, few episodes uh, where I got really weird and loopy talking about like Lovecraftian monsters in the ocean. I don't even remember it. I haven't listened to those episodes in uh, But... 
uh, the biggest brag. Good book. It's it's fun. It's fun. It's nice and glossy, you know, and it's colorful. And you have the the worst bear in Bear Town. Uh, activities and questions from brother and sister bear. Talk about it. One. What exactly does it mean to brag? I think we covered this up top. I think we covered this more than enough. The what does it mean to brag? We talked about it. Why isn't it a nice thing for brother and sister bear to do? Why isn't it a nice thing? Like why talking to Phil? What's wrong with bragging? Uh, well, one thing is at work. Me personally, uh, my job is public uh, public awareness. I, I am there to uh, help people be aware of, of brain injury and stroke and the causes and, and effects of brain injury and stroke in Minnesota, yada, yada, yada. Uh, every once in a while, my uh, superiors will talk to me about, about talking about things that we have done, accomplishments we have made. And I always say to them, we are very bad at bragging. Uh, our organization has a tendency to downplay its accomplishments. So I think... Some bragging is fine when you have accomplished a lot and you're not getting the credit for it. I think it's okay to put your accomplishments out there unapologetically, which I think some people read as bragging, as, as something negative. I think a little bragging is fine. You're allowed to be proud of yourself. You're allowed to take a little bit of pride in your accomplishments. Just don't let it get to your head. Don't get boastful, I guess. You know, unless you're showing up people who are awful. If there's awful people around and you want to be boastful, show them up. Rub it in their face. Uh, but why is it bad for brother and sister to do it? I think just because it's causing strife in the family at this point. Like, it's it's become a thing, something that kids do, and I know this from experience, is they kind of get stuck in their reactions to things. Like, well, brother and sister, for example. Like, one of them says something, the other one one-ups them. And kids can kind of get stuck in that pattern. Like, they're not even having fun doing it after a while. They're just doing it. Like, when a child contradicts you, and then you realize they're always contradicting you, until you're like, wait a minute, they don't even want to contradict me. They're just, it's a need jerk response. So I would say that with brother and sister doing it, it's gone to the point where the parents need to nip it in the bud. And I think it means calling it out when it happens as it happens. Not so they can punish brother and sister per se, but so that they can call attention to the fact that it's happening and teach the kids to cut themselves off uh, so the kids can get used to sort of thinking before they do it. I think that's what it is. And, and calling attention to the fact that it's unpleasant and it makes life in the house unpleasant. So, you know, there, there, that's why it's bad. Two, why do you think brother and sister feel like they have to top each other all the time with their accomplishments? Because they're brothers and sisters, that's why. Because they're a brother and a sister, and that's what brothers and sisters do. They're annoying to each other. Uh, it's obviously not because they're not getting like enough recognition, because their parents are pretty good at that. It's not because they feel inadequate, because I think they actually feel like they're pretty good at what they do. Again, I think it's just... I think it's just a, a habit they got into. Uh, it was funny at first. Now it's just something they do. Uh, have you ever had anyone do that to you? How does that make you feel? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've been in that situation where like I've done something. And it's usually not, when you're an adult, it's usually not a person like bragging over you. It's like you say something. And I'm sure I've done it too. So if you know me and you're like, oh, Phil, you've, yes, I know I've done it too. We're all guilty. We're all guilty. None of us is free of sin, living lights faith story none of us were you saying like i did this and in the, and another person goes oh yeah i did this and it's like a little bit better or a little bit cooler or a little more and they're not like well i did this it's just like they're trying they're doing the thing where they're adding to the conversation by one-upping you without even realizing they're doing it that's the worst and again i apologize if i do it i apologize apologize i'm a, i can apologize better than you and it's kind of the worst when they don't mean to do it because then you've got if you call them out then they're embarrassed and it's just hard so just be careful in your conversation that you're not stepping on another person's accomplishment uh, because you know let people let people have 
their accomplishments, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, three, what does Gramps try to teach the Cubs about bragging? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they listen to him. I think he just shuts them up. I think he just shuts them up because he doesn't want to hear them talk. And they're like, oh, yeah, we should. If we want to get those cookies. You know that Gramps will withhold cookies. You know that he. I don't think you deserve cookies. Gran, don't give them cookies. That's my impression of Gram. Get out and do it. One, sit around the family dinner table and look at one another. Done and done. Think of two good things about every other person at the table. Holla. I don't know what that means. Starting with the oldest person, go around the table and have each person tell their good things about him or her. For example, if the oldest person is dad, everyone at the table needs to say, Say two good things about dad. Continue around the table. I can't make fun of this. This sounds like a great idea. If you could actually get your kid to do this, this is a great idea. I'm going to challenge every listener out there to do this at the dinner table tonight. Say, I know this is going to sound cheesy. I know this might be weird. Unless you already do it. Congratulations, bragger. I know this is going to sound weird, but I want to try this out. And if your kids scoff and roll their eyes, ask them to be a good sport. I don't know. Say, what's it doesn't have to be anything overwhelmingly amazing. Just what are two good things about each person, starting with the old. It's a great idea. We don't do it enough. Also, tell people you love them. Also, tell people, never mind. Tell people, never mind. It's good to be nice to people. It's good to be kind and complimentary. Two, it's okay to be proud of things that you've done with the talents God has given you. Thank you, Mike. That's what I just said. It's okay to be proud. Talk about the talents the people in your family have. Okay, so if you just did the exercise and one of the nice things was a talent, you have to go back now and come up with something else because now we're on. Choose one of the talents and use it to help others or make someone happy. For example, if one person is good at drawing, help him make cards for people at a neighborhood nursing home. Choose one of the talents. So you are using another person's talent. So like, mama, you're really good at making a meatball. Uh, so spicy meatballs. Mama's really good at making meatballs. That's her talent. Okay, Mama, so you and I, mostly you, because you're the one who's good at this, we're going to make a thousand meatballs and give them away to, to, to people who don't have their own meatball. Sounds a little rough. Maybe come up with something else. Uh, but okay, now that I've read the whole thing, though, you don't have to go back to your previous compliment. That's cool. If it was a talent, you can keep it because now we're doing something with the talent. So it's it's different. It's a different thing. Uh, but that's the biggest brag. Don't brag. Compliment. And if you're proud of what you've done, that's fine. But make sure you compliment and do something with your talents. If you're good at kicking a soccer ball, kick it for charity. If you're good at drawing uh, layouts for beautiful mansions, draw them for charity. If you're good at whistling songs backwards, you know what I'm going to say. Do it for charity. Uh, that was the Berenstain Bears' biggest brag from 2014. Was it the biggest? Not yet. I got a big brag for you. Uh, I am amazing. And what's your biggest brag? Let me know. Go ahead and brag about it. Right? Go to go to Twitter and go to Beastain Bearcast and, and post your biggest brag. Hashtag biggest brag. Or go to our Facebook page, uh, Deep in Bear Country, and post your biggest brag on this episode's post. Uh, hashtag biggest brag. Let's make hashtag biggest brag trend all over Mastodon, I guess is what we're doing now. So uh, I'm trying out Mastodon to see if I can figure it out. It seems pretty self-explanatory. Once you figure it out, it's like, oh, this is just kind of like Twitter. So, uh, hashtag biggest brag. Uh, otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting me. And I'll see you all next time deep in bear country. Hashtag biggest brag. <laughs>